You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Pastor Rick has been flooded the internet, Facebook, with pictures of his granddaughter. We have an accountability group that will confront him at his return about the sin of pride. And so um, if you see him, you might just mention that. He's having a great time in Cincinnati and Nashville and Kentucky as he spends time with family, and I'm so glad he has served us well, and I'm glad he's with his family. That's very, very important for him to do that. He's asked me to uh, share from the Word. And I would like to begin by reading out of John, the book of John, Talk about a birth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has ever been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. The Word became flesh, was born, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. When were you born? What's your birthday? Maybe a more important question. What were you born to do? There's some songs, about five or six artists with their lyrics. Hugo, an artist, quotes these lyrics. What in the world were you born to do? Springsteen says, I was born in the USA. Lady Gaga says, I was born this way. Steppenwolf says, we were born... Born to be wild. Paul Simon says, born at the right time. And the world whispered, born at the right time. Mellencamp says this. I was born in a small town. I lived in a small town. My family moved here in the mid-50s. And I was about two years old, two or three. And this last weekend, I was driving through some of the roads, some of the streets, some of the places that I grew up in, in this small town of Bethany. I probably spent about 95% of my life here. I saw things that uh, brought back memories. Uh, I drove by the Wiley Port Air- Airport out here, Wiley Post Airport. And, and I remember one time, uh, my mother and I, Probably it was more me. We were popping fireworks out there at the airport. And, 
And uh, the police came and told us to move. I guess the pilots, you know, right there at this one end, they, they come in at about 40 feet to land. And I guess they didn't like pop bottle rockets going by their cockpit. <clears throat> I, um, I drove by what used to be an asphalt playground. I run many knees, elbows, and blue jeans on the asphalt safety surface. <clears throat> the merry-go-round of death. <laughs> the steel slide of burns, especially in the middle of the summer. I drove by a yard in which one of my neighbors passed away while mowing the lawn. That's the way I really would like to go. And if you ever go by and I'm <clears throat> mowing the lawn and I've passed away, would you, just, would you just finish the job and put up the mower? <laughs> and uh, Rita can take care of me. That would be a wonderful way to go. I passed by a, um, a drive and it reminded me that's where Rita lived when we were dating. And it was in that drive that I first kissed my girlfriend that I've had for over 36 years. The best girlfriend. Memories, mainly of people growing up in a small town. Jesus grew up in a small village called Nazareth. And I'm sure as he um, re-entered his community, he saw things that triggered memories he probably saw the place where his dad taught him how to plane in square board. He saw the trails and the roads where he and his cousins would run and play as young men. He probably remembered seeing the place where Mary, his mother, told him a story about the angels coming to her. And giving her some information about her firstborn child and who he would become. He probably smelt the smells of breaking bread that triggered memories of those smells earlier in his life. The smell of salted fish going by the synagogue and, and seeing scrolls, seeing people standing up and reading those scrolls and and for some reason, it was like the words were alive. And they were talking directly to him. And in many times, they were talking directly about him. And so that's where we pick up in Luke chapter 4. And I would like to read that. If you have your Bibles, turn into Luke Chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading with uh, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. In unrolling it, he looked and found a place where this is written. 
It was in the Old Testament. Isaiah 61. This is what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he had anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to recover sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began saying to them, and this is the key verse. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm going to deal with a few questions today. And the first group of questions deals with <clears throat> who is Jesus? What does he do? How does he do it? Secondly, I'm going to address who are you? Who are we? What are we to do? And how do you do it? Bottom line, <clears throat> if you want a life that matters, you must adopt <clears throat> priorities that matter. Jesus, who was he? When he stood up and said, today, these words are fulfilled, he was proclaiming that he was the Messiah. And when you grow up in a small town of Nazareth, no one was projecting or predicting that the Messiah, the deliverer of the Jews, the kingdom of Israel, would be coming from Nazareth, the small town. And so the very first question he answers is that he's the Messiah. And, and as being the Messiah, we as mankind think too small. The Jews did. They thought the Messiah was just going to come and bring prominence and success to a kingdom, to a country, to a nation. But God had a different plan with the Messiah, with his son. And with his son came a mission. And with his son came death. And with his son, the Messiah, came resurrection. And with his son, a promise that he would return. So who is Jesus? He knew that he was the Messiah. What do you do? Jesus, what is it you're here for? Well, the scriptures point out some very specifics here and what he was here to do. And he read it. The spirit is upon me. He anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Good news to the poor. What's the best news that you could hear that the Father loves you, that the Father cares for you, that the, that the Father has, planned a, has come up with a plan to redeem you and make you right with God? 
and make you right with man. The good news. What good news do you need to hear? Possibly could God be bringing you some good news in recent weeks and days, even today? What could God be bringing you the news that you need to hear that's good? Freedom from prisoners. Sight for the blind. Release the oppressed. There's a book, there's a film out by, entitled Unbroken. It's about an uh, Olympic athlete back in the 30s. Louis Zamberini. In World War II, cut his Olympic career short. And so he was in the Air Force and eventually had a crash and survived over 40 days with another soldier in a raft on the sea, trapped in a raft on a sea. He was then captured by the Japanese, put in a concentration camp. And there, the commander of that concentration camp kind of eyed Louis as his personal project to torture and beat and break. And so he's imprisoned for quite some time. And the conclusion of World War II, he was released. The book is not an easy read. It's not an easy see. The movie is not an easy see. But it's talking about a person who is imprisoned. If you see the film, you won't hear the last part of the book. And you find out that the last part of the book talks about a man returning to the United States and marrying, have a family, and he becomes imprisoned to things that are far greater than the Japanese concentration camps. Post-traumatic syndrome. Alcoholism. is what really almost broke him. And then he attended a Billy Graham, Graham crusade. And he heard the truth about a God that wanted to free him. And God freed him from the th- struggles that he was experiencing. Matter of fact, God was so alive and real in his life and he was so wishing to be obedient. He said, I'll do whatever you call me to do. And one of those tasks was to go and forgive those soldiers that imprisoned him and tortured him and and mistreated him so badly. And so late in his life, he made a trek back to Japan. Had an appointment with most of the guards that he had met during those years. And forgave them and redeemed relationships. I think all but one were willing to meet with him. He was free. He was free from the chains that bound him. There are many bars stronger than the bars on a jail that might hold us in. Some of those chains might be unforgiveness. Some of those chains might be a hurt. Some of those chains might be an addiction. Some of those chains might be an illness. Some of those chains, you fill in the blank. The good news is that Jesus Christ has come 
to free us from those chains. It was really interesting. We, we have, um, <clears throat> at the conclusion of the services, we have a time where you can come down and pray and, and talk to God. And, uh, and Pastor Rick always says that uh, there'll be a pastor here that would anoint you. And, and, um, and I anoint people and I pray for them and they go back to their seats. And most of the times I never hear anything. Okay, what, what happened after the anointing? Did anything happen after the anointing? And um, a few years back... Um, we anointed someone here and Marilyn uh, contacted me back and said there's something that happened when you anointed me matter of fact she said uh, for the next two weeks I felt like I was physically worse (laughs) so don't come to me to be anointed no Uh, I was worse for the next two weeks but then something happened I've had so many different allergies. I could not eat hardly any food. I couldn't do this, couldn't do that. And it affected, you know, our vacations, things and places we would go. I just had terrible allergies. In two weeks, they disappeared. And I went to the allergist, and they did the test, and he said, I just can't believe it. All your allergies are gone except two things that you are still allergic to. Two things, ragweed and cockroaches. And she said, I think I can live around those two things. But um, she was saying, even peanut butter, and peanut butter is really serious because it usually just cuts off her breathing. And uh, she said, I, I'm going to eat peanut butter. And her husband, who's a doctor, said, well, wait, wait a minute. Uh, you know, people don't just get over that addiction, I mean, that, that particular um, allergy. And so I said, if you're going to eat peanut butter, let's do it this way. I'm going to drive you up to the ER. We're going to be in the van. <clears throat> I've got an Ippy pen. Uh, you have your peanut butter and your crackers, and, and we will test it. But if something goes wrong, we're right there at the ER. Normally, just the smell of peanut butter would set her back. And she tasted the peanut butter and smiled. And they went home instead of to the ER. I I don't know why God sometimes frees people in a certain way and maybe frees other people in a different way. Sometimes it's direct healing. Sometimes it's empowerment. Sometimes it's strength. Sometimes it's, it's just his presence. But he came. He came to free us. He came to give us life and light. He came to those that were blind. And he did heal those that were physically blind. But probably even more important, he said, there are blind guides that I'm interested in showing the truth and the life to. There are people that feel, feel like and have been taught that God doesn't really care for them because they are in this group. They have this in their past. May I open your eyes so you might see God's promises directly for you. God's love is directly for you. Can I open your eyes so you might see the God, the Father that has made you and created you and wishes to be in relationship with you? He said he's come to free the oppressed. There are many different things that might oppress us. That slows us down. Could be a hurt. Could be a fear. 
Um, we've got a chain up here. How many um, mid-high students and high school students do we have that are athletes? Will you please raise your hand? You don't need to come up. I'm not going to ask you to come up. But can you raise your hand if you play basketball, football, track, gymnastics, whatever? Will you raise your hand right there? I want to see. Oh, yeah, I see some hands. Good, good, good. Well, let me, okay, put your hands down. Let me suggest that you do an experiment. Uh, the next time you're competing, um, I want you to come up and borrow this chain. And then what we'll do, we're just, we're going to put this chain around you. And this is really tricky for swimmers. Um, <laughs> if you're into swimming here. Um, just wrap this chain around you and your legs. Oh, my goodness. This is a lot heavier than I thought. <clears throat> medic, medic. Um, uh, I would challenge you to compete for the team wearing these chains. To run the race wearing these chains. To swim the laps wearing these chains. To shoot the hoops wearing these chains. I sure hope the Dallas Cowboys are not wearing these chains today. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. <clears throat> God knows about your chains. And God wants to free you to run your race not in bondage, not being weighed down from the chains of your past, but to be free. Did you need to hear that God wants you to be free today? He wants you to be free. I saw the, the announcement about CR, about people with hangups and hurts and different things and and I've gone to a couple of those um, special meetings when I've been invited. The beautiful testimonies about someone being transformed by the power and the Spirit of God as He talks to them and He guides them and as He uses other people to help them to uh, discipline themselves and to learn and to grow and to break chains of all kinds to be freed. We're getting ready to have some um, workshops here at the church as the beginning of the year starts. And, and it's talking about disciplines and talking about different things that you can do to break the chains. Can I challenge you to think and pray about those opportunities? Who was Jesus, the Messiah? What did he do? He redeemed people. How did he do it? There's a lot of things that he did. <clears throat> but one of the things that I noticed just even in reading the scriptures prior where he's baptized where Jesus went to the wilderness for 40 days almost every time it said the spirit of the Lord was with him one of the things that he did one of his priorities and there were many one of his priorities was prayer why do you think you can do life without prayer why does this church think it can do its task without prayer? 
if Jesus said, I can't do what I was sent to do without some priorities. And one of those priorities was prayer. Spending time with the Father. Yes, he can hear us when we run and when we're going through the day, but, but so many times Jesus just got alone with the Father. And that's how he did it. Bottom line, if you want a life that matters, you've got to adopt some priorities that matter. Some priorities of Christ. Who are you? Many of you are the children of God, redeemed. Loved by the Father. And it wouldn't it just make sense <clears throat> if I were to do what the Father does? Wouldn't it just make sense that I would develop a lifestyle of imitating? Wouldn't it make sense that I would be involved in freeing people from chains and giving people sight and showing people the good news that God is offering them? Wouldn't it just make sense that I would be about doing what he did if I am his child? And how do I find those priorities like prayer? Um, there's one particular author, <clears throat> Christopher Marcy. And he did some research in the four Gospels. And he took the four Gospels and he took all the scriptures and he, and he kind of categorized them and found eight principles, eight priorities that Jesus talked about or was involved in throughout the Gospels. The eight main things that he did. And here's what he discovered. He was involved in healing. He taught and acted out on love. He prayed. He spread the word. He um, sought the will of God. He accepted children as precious. He lived in humility. He built treasures in heaven. What if you, can I challenge you this year to, to study the four Gospels and allow his spirit to give you a new set of priorities? I mean, why would you assume that you're going to be any different this next year if you do the exact same things and hold on to the same priorities that you did in 2014. God is interested in transforming us. And he wants to transform you even more into his likeness this year. We choose our habits. And then generally our habits make us into who we become. Why don't you study the priorities of Christ? Mother Teresa was asked, How do you train your, um, the nuns that follow you and that serve with you in your ministries? She says, I do this. There's two things I do. I tell them to fall in love with Jesus. It's a heart matter. It's a heart matter. Fall in love with Jesus. And then once you do that, 
you go out and find Jesus to serve. Find the poor. Find the brokenhearted. Find the oppressed. Find the prisoners. Find the people in chains and be Jesus to him. What are you going to do in 2015? Who are you going to become? Are you open to change? Are you open to transformation? Are you open to a life of adventure? Are you and me, are we open to new priorities that create habits? And those habits even change our very character. I want his priorities. Do you? What were you born? What were you born to be and to do? We're going to sing a chorus. And as the group that comes to lead us in that chorus, um, while they're singing, while they're singing, um, we ask the choir and orchestra to return, and we're going to be closing this service with the Hallelujah Chorus. But as we sing these words, and the choir members and anyone that's sung in the Messiah before and you would like to join us for the Hallelujah Chorus, please come at this particular time. Let's, let's hear the words of commitment to God and his priorities. Stand together as we sing. Close. If faith can move the mountains, let the mountains move. We come with expectations, waiting here for you. Love us from 
What is your chains? Who is your captor? God doesn't negotiate with your captor. He has provided the key. And he was born unto us. A Savior. King of kings. Lord of lords. Hallelujah.
go from here as children of God, completing what Jesus came to do. And when you're done, put up the more. Bye. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.